We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On today's episode of the Pride Podcast, we have a very special guest. We have former scout Dave Turner stops by to talk about the Detroit Lions and also some moves the Detroit Lions can make during the draft and some guys they can target during free agency on episode 173 of the Pride Podcast. Yo, what is going on guys? Welcome back to the Pride Podcast episode 173 on the Blue Warrior Network. I am your host Tyler, joined by my main guy, Pierre. Pierre, how are you doing today, my man? I'm pretty good. There we go. All right, so we don't have Malcolm with us today. We got a very special guest with us, former NFL Scott, my boy, David Turner. David, how you doing, man? Hey, Tyler. Doing well, man. So obviously, COVID time right now. How you been doing that? I know you're in Arizona right now. How's that been for you? Uh, you know, out here our, our numbers are up, so we're trying to do our best that we can, staying home a lot, not not really uh, out and venturing in our beautiful weather, which sucks because last spring we had incredible weather. This fall or this this uh, this winter, I guess most people have. We have incredible weather, and we can't really be out much, doing too much in it. So. You know, we're hoping to get COVID under under control pretty dang soon. Yeah, for you guys, it's a little more difficult because right now, I mean, we don't really have much options but to stay home. You live in Michigan. It's, it's actually right. nice right now, but it's usually, you know, 20 degrees, 10 degrees, so you don't get those options out here. But switching out to the football side now, this is a Lions podcast. So obviously the Lions were one of the hot teams this offseason, making a lot of moves, new head coach, new general manager, new quarterback, a lot of new things happening here in Detroit. So I kind of want to get your initial thoughts. Lions going from the Rams Street hiring Brad Holmes and then going from the Saints Street hiring Dan Campbell. What are your thoughts on both those moves? Well, shoot, I wouldn't like to line up on a seven on seven match with the coaching staff up there. I mean, geez, they got so many great old former players that are on their coaching staff. Uh, Coach Campbell has really uh, put a lot of benefit and a lot of uh, 
mistake in former players coming up there and coaching with them. That's been it's really amazing to see all those opportunities go to those coaches. Yeah. And then you want to, and then having Brad come over from the you know he's an amazing drafter. You see what they've done in the draft, you know, down in L.A. So you know you're going to get a guy who has experience at drafting, knowing how to break down film and bring in all the right scouts to you know coordinate with. We'll see if he goes the route of the Rams where they don't value their first-round picks as much as, as other teams do, and they trade away and they build through, you know, trades and free agency, or if he decides to go more traditional and uh, uh, taking those draft picks and treating them like gold and uh, really uh, homegrown and grooming the young players and doing all that stuff. It'll be interesting to see what his philosophy is now that he's on his own and which avenue he decides to take because down there the Rams, they just seem to – be giving away first round picks and, and choosing to go with veteran players a lot more than the other teams that really value those picks. So that's interesting right. to me. We'll see how he moves forward. Speaking of first round picks, the Lions and the Rams made a blockbuster deal to send Stafford. Uh, and the Lions got back uh, two first rounders and a third rounder and Jared Goff. What are your thoughts on that trade? I think the Rams got the better end of that deal. I think Stafford is still a top you know, a top 15, if not a top 12 quarterback. I don't think there's 12 better quarterbacks in the league than Stafford. I don't even know if there's 10 being honest with you. I'm a big Stafford fan. Um, what they gave up to get him, I thought really solidifies the, op- they have a two years still remaining on his contract and they can, and he's only 22 and 21 million, I believe on their cap. So it's a situation where they got a pretty, pretty friendly deal. Um, they they sent a guy packing that you know maybe the Rams weren't really sold on and didn't see building around. So, you know, it's a situation where, you know, they got Stafford, I believe he's thirty three years old, you know, he still has at least five, six more years in him. And uh they could really win with him right now and on that deep with that defense and the offense weapons they have down there and I think Stafford's gonna really flourish for Brad and and the crew up in, you know, Detroit it sucks that they had to give up Stafford to get that. But again, if he's going to go through the draft process and take those picks and get young contracts, get young players for coach Campbell and the staff, you know, he really did a nice job securing some draft capital and and some drafts that are probably going to be deep too in the next couple of years. And that's something as a college director, you know, he could forecast and say, you know what, I'd rather have the draft capital because these next two drafts are going to be deep. And, and be able to put a lot of young talent around and on this field for our organization. So, I think it's super interesting that we just brought up the fact that the Rams organization comes from a tree that are, they don't value maybe first-round picks as, as much as other teams. And now we see a guy from the former Rams tree trade for two first-round picks with the Rams. So it's like very interesting to see you know the directions, the two different directions, I guess, like, it was not a very Rams-esque trade what Brad Holmes did for Matthew Stafford, so I thought that was very interesting. But going off to what the Lions got in return with the guy that we know who's going to be here for sure, and that's Jared Goff. Uh, what's your thoughts on Jared Goff as a player? What do you view him as a player? Do you think he is more of a bridge guy that's here maybe for a year or two? Or do you think maybe Brad Holmes actually saw something in him and this could be a franchise quarterback for Detroit going forward? From what I understand, Brad was the guy on the table for golf when they drafted him out of Cal. He was the guy who really believed in him and liked the young man. Um, so this made sense to me, you know, making it part of the deal and him getting a quarterback that he believed in ever since he was a young player. Um, so that didn't, you know, once I saw that part of the trade, it didn't surprise me 
that he went and he got him because, again, he's the guy who went on the table for him. I'm not of that mindset. I, I'm not a big Jared Goff fan. And now, obviously, breaking the thumb on his throwing hand, coming up to Detroit where you have to play in cold weather with a lot of your divisional opponents um, is something that I'm not sure is going to be good for Goff. Also, you know, I think they're going to invest in the run game, better offensive linemen. This is all going to be a project that's under construction because I don't believe the prior regime has left them in really good shape. So, and I believe the organization understands that because they believe they gave everybody what six year contracts. So they know this isn't going to be an immediate rebuild. It's not something you're going to turn around in a year. This is going to be two to three years before this starts getting turned around. That all being said, I don't know if golf will be the quarterback a decade down the line. I think he will be the quarterback for the next three years while they're under construction because um, you already have his cap number in place. You know how to build around that cap number. You're going to have a lot of young talent coming up and in and being um, put into place and around him over the next five years. So, you know, I just – I'm not a big golf fan. It's not a person that I – I would select. Now, is he a top 25 quarterback? Yeah, I would say he's in the top 25. I don't know if he's, uh, you know, a top 15 quarterback. I really would struggle to think that he'd make the top 15 in my mind. So speaking of quarterbacks, there's this draft is like loaded heavy at the top of the draft. Do you think the Lions should draft the quarterback? And if they should, um, do you think they should trade up and use those assets to get their guy or wait until next year? What are your thoughts on the quarterback situation for the Lions? Like, as far as the draft goes. If I'm the Lions, I go with golf this year and, and use all the draft capital to put the best team on young players around him and, you know, let him play himself into the job and make us more comfortable with it or out of the job. And, um, you know, next year we're addressing the, the quarterback situation. I don't like giving up draft capital because this is still a team game. I know all these gurus and everybody like, yes, you have to have a quarterback. Yes, you have to have a guy guarding your team. Right. And, yes, he's got to be one of the best in order to be a playoff and a Super Bowl winning team. That all being said, it's a team sport. You have to put players around the quarterback in order to be successful. And up in Detroit, I really feel that they have uh, a big rebuild project coming, not, not only on the offensive line, but in the run game and, and a lot all over the roster has holes. So I don't think in the next two to three years I would give up any draft capital I would try to be taking every pick I can and, and giving this great, talented coaching staff an opportunity to, to, to groom them and get them right for the organization. Now, uh, let's say, like, Justin Fields or Trey Lance are there at seven. Like, do you think they should take Fields or Lance or or maybe straight out of that Fields pick? At, yeah, I'm not taking Fields at seven at all. I'm, I think there's too many question marks about Fields for me. Trey mm -hmm. Lance is a one-year starter, basically, with who's athletic. That being said, you have to really look at him and digest him. At seven, though, I think there might be other teams that might – if he's still there at seven, there could be other teams that want to come up and get him, which, again, then you can improve your draft capital and trade back, still get a guy that you'll like and put him and, and put, it to, put that draft capital to use. It's a deep draft. You can address multiple positions. Quarterback is not high on my priority list if I'm them after I just traded for golf for the next two years. I would give golf at least two years before I start addressing that quarterback position. I'd be filling the, all the other positions around them, um, leaving the quarterback position alone for at least two years.
with Fields, like, what are the questions with Fields? Because there's a lot of people who are really high on him and a lot of people who, like, don't think that highly of him. What are your thoughts on him? Like, why is there a concern with him? Well, it's his decision-making process, you know, where, where you see him being successful is when the coaching is able to put him in a position to be successful. But when he had to watch the Indiana game this year, watch the Wisconsin game, I think it was also, you know, he struggled to read the defenses more than, you know, he had to come off his first read and, and work through some zone zone defenses that complicated it for him. And therefore he struggled when they went trips to the boundary and ran routes out of there where safeties got mixed up and crossed up then, and there was more mistakes by the defense than on the offense. Right. Then I saw success for him at the NFL level defensive players and defensive coordinators are going to, you know, throw more at him than I think he can handle. And and that's hard for me to say, because coming into the year, I had really high hopes for him. I've been on the record early in the year. Like I was like, wow, I'm really excited. I loved his height, weight, athleticism, thought he had good arm strength and good delivery quickness. But then watching him go through his progressions during the six games or seven games they played this year, that's when I started coming off him. And I'm like, ooh, this is not an instant coffee. This is somebody who's got to percolate and see if he can pick up the game because he's a heck of an athlete. I just don't know if his game's going to translate well to the NFL level. And if it does, it's going to be a certain scheme fit. And when you're getting into scheme fit, that limits the ability of, you know, the marketplace for the, uh, the, the young man himself. So, We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That's an interesting perspective because, you know, you look around the media, a lot of people are high on Justin Fields, but then you hear from the outside perspective where some people say scouts and stuff, and you are a former scout, so that's an interesting perspective. So, you know, people look out for that stuff. So now switching gears to the wide receiver spot, the Lions have essentially every receiver on their roster right now, either a free agent or a guy that's probably not going to be on the roster next year. So Galladay's a free agent, pending free agent that they could use a tag on. Uh, Marvin Jones is unrestricted free agent. Danny Amendola unrestricted free agent. And then the only two guys they got right now are Quintess Cephas, their rookie, fifth-round pick last year, and then Geronimo Allison. No offense to Geronimo Allison, but he opted out last year, so I don't know how much of a future he's here with us. But now you're looking at this draft. A lot of people are saying this is a stacked wide receiver class. Who are some guys that the Lions could be looking at maybe day two, day three, and maybe even potentially day one? Well, I was going to say the top dog might be there at seven. I mean, you might get um, the LSU kid at seven, uh, depending on, you know, what that team's doing in front of him. And if he's sitting there, 
I mean, you saw what Minnesota got out of Jefferson this year, and Chase was uh, – I think he was better than Jefferson. So, you know, I, I would be excited if, if I was the Lions and he was sitting there and you could pair him with your young quarterback. I mean, that would be a, a heck of a get there. But, again, like I said, this year's draft is loaded with a lot of talent, especially the wide receiver position. So you could wind up finding gems down the line in the second and third round. Um, you know, guys, geez, uh, what are some good names for down the line? Well, you know, you can find guys like Fitzpatrick or Eldridge deep into the draft. You can find uh, one of my favorites is uh, this kid out of Florida, you know, uh, Grimes or even Kadarius Tony, both those kids out of out of uh, Florida. You know, you can find an Amari Rogers in the second, third round, who you know is a really good playmaker. So, you know, you got guys throughout this draft that will, you know, they'll pop up and you'll see them later. Um, Michigan's Nico Collins, you know, he might slide into the second, or even a Frank Darby is going to be a second, third round pick um, out of Arizona State out here. So. You know, with so many receivers in this draft, you don't have to go to it early. You can go to receiver late and still find good players, solid players. So if they're looking for addressing that, they could draft two or three guys and wound up wind up with it uh, being being a solid receiver class for them, for sure. So from your experience from scouting. I've obviously been doing this job for a while. So where would you rank this receiving class? Is this one of the best receiving classes you've ever seen, or is it up there? It's up there. I mean, this year and last year, both were really impressive. And I think top end, very impressive. Like young men that know how to run routes, are very are hands catchers, are guys that can run after the catch. I mean, you got some a solid class last year and this year are very solid. Uh, yeah, they're very solid. They're really – as far as depth goes, the, these two years back-to-back, probably the two deepest receiver pools I've ever seen. I mean, you can go into the receiving class in the years past and say, well, you know, yeah, Calvin Johnson. Well, yeah, he was a rare breed, and in that draft, I think there was like five or six receivers that were really good. Um, but in this class, I mean, like I said – you're going to find some great values in two, three, four, five, you know, all in the middle rounds. And that's just because offensive line, you know, is a little deep, but people value that a little higher. So they're going to need to go, go get those guys pass rushers. They're going to have to go get, so it's going to push some of these top notch receivers down just by doing the draft math. So the lines also need pass rushers. It seems like the, the last team didn't really like think that highly of a pass rush. It was kind of odd the way they operated. Um, so they need some interior and edge guys who could rush the passer. Um, and then they also said they're going to run like L.A. scheme. Aaron Glenn is going to run the scheme that L.A. run last year. They hired Aubrey Pleasant. So who are some pass rushers in this draft class that fit uh, the Rams defensive scheme or the Lions defensive scheme? Okay, so if they're going to use a similar scheme to what the Rams did last year, you know, you there's some top-end guys like the kid out of Miami, which, again, seven might be a little high for him. Right. Um, but if they trade back, that could be somebody they look at and focus on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, honestly, I think the defense needs a rehaul because if they're going to switch from what what um, Patricia was doing into the Rams scheme, that that's going from a 34 to a 43, basically. And that's going to take a little while to get. So you're going to see them pick some guys late in the draft or later, 
you know, day two, day three to help fix that offensive line and the linebacking core because the skill sets are way different um, when you're switching from a 34 front to a 43 front. So, you know, you're, you, you, can, uh, you can look at guys that might be like Notre Dame, uh, you know, they got the two kids that were at the senior bowl. Both yeah. those kids I think would be good would be good additions. Pittsburgh's Rashad Weaver, who was at the Senior Bowl, would be a good addition. Um, and then you got versatile players like uh, Ohio State's Jonathan Cooper and uh, Quincy Roche out of mm-hmm. Miami, who would be you know those are kind of tweener pass rusher guys that maybe come off the edge, can maybe play will linebacker for you, do some different things. Um, that might be fun because in that scheme they do like bringing pressure from different angles. So, you know, I think with that defense, they have a long road to rebuild there. Um, so yeah. that's not going to – yeah, it's going to be – I'm going through it. I'm pausing because I'm going through it in my head. I'm like, man, if they're switching over to, to that, it, they don't have a lot of, a, a lot of uh, tools in the shed there they can draw off. Just another question. Like, you keep mentioning the Lions offensive line. You think that's like a weak link right now of the team? I think they need they need to bolster that. I definitely do. I think they need to bolster the offensive line. I believe bringing in some very uh, good right tackle, you know, maybe a Spencer Brown in the draft, and then maybe a free agent. You can go get a, a veteran, uh, maybe free agent, uh, for for a guard position for him, and then and then roll with who you got. But I, I'm not a, you know, I, I'm looking at the offensive line, and I think it needs help. So you're not really like a believer in Terrell Crosby, like he's okay, I guess. He's not really like special, but that's what I'm saying. I don't think he's special. And for me, you know, uh, I, let me see if I do my math right. You know, he's a guy who's he's more of a, a move guy. And my he only has three years of experience. He's 25 years old, so you can keep him. But again, I'm not really sold on him being the guy for the future. Um, you know, at his spot. And again, you're looking at a you're looking at a rebuild type mode. So, right. You know, Decker, who's playing at left tackle, five years of experience. He's a good sized guy. You know, but again, he's been on pub. He's had some he's had some injury history to him. So, is he going to be there at the end of the day? We don't know. You go to the um, you know you go to the center, and you know you got a guy at center who's again a young guy. He was, you know, three years of experience. He was a, was it? Um, I like him. I'm not going to say I do like him. I just don't know. If, I, I think you can build around him, put another guard around him, put a better tackle on the edge this year, and then see what you got. Let them all battle it out at training camp. That's what I would do on the open. They did recently sign Decker to like a multi-year extension, but I guess like you're right because it's a new regime and anything could happen. I mean, when the new guys come in, you, yeah, you don't know what what they're going to want, who they're going to want, and what financially who they're tied to. Right. You know, all that kind of digestion has to go on. But with Decker, you know, again, he could be a guy. I just think there's some injury history there that I have question marks on if he's going to be the guy or if he's going to – these injuries that are peaking up now are going to wind up being there later too. All right. So, I mean, we've been talking about this defensive line. We've talked about a total makeover on this defense. Linebacking core, again, I don't know if there's another guy. We're looking at this linebacking core of – someone who's going to stick around on this team, especially with the new regime. Guys like Jelani Tavai seem like they're almost out mm. the doors already. Jared Davis is a unrestricted free agent, so they'll have to make a decision on that if they want to bring him back. And, you know, they got Jamie Collins for another year. So um, what are some linebackers do you think kind of fit? We're going towards that Rams-Saints type defense. What would 
linebackers looking at this draft or even for agency that makes sense for the for the Lions? Well, I think Michael Parsons makes sense for any team. <laughs> I mean, I think he's incredible. Um, you know, and if he's sitting there at seven, he's somebody that you you want to, as long as his character history and everything checks out for your for your team. I mean, he would be instant defense. He can cover. He can play the run. He can come off the edge of the blitzer. He's very versatile. I think that that defense can use a guy like Parsons um, right up right right away. He would fit. Him and Jamie Collins together would be a very good mix of players, um, you know, just to go right off the top, um, saying those two guys right away. I would, have, I would have to think more about the free agents because when you're spending that kind of money, you know, you really have to go hands down. This would be the best guy for us or the best two guys or something. And I just don't know if there's – I think this – for me, guys, I'd rather have a youth movement and draft players and take the free agent pool and look anybody under 26 years old who's, you know, coming out of their first contract, going to their second, who might be a riser so I can get a nice young locker room for these coaches to come in and, and work with, then go, so then go invest in a 35 or, or I'm sorry, a 27, 29 year old player. You know, I think this should be more of a youth movement and have the veterans that are there be players that uh, guide guide the uh, leadership of the council and have the coaches as former players guide the leadership of the uh, organization more than going and shopping heavily in free agency for veteran players. The Lions obviously have Tracy Walker and Will Harris at safety. Will Harris hasn't really shown much yet. Um, who are some safeties that could like you could pair with Tracy Walker? They're going to run a lot of split safety looks. At least that's what the Rams did last year. Yeah, no, I, I like the split safety look, actually. It reminds me of the old school Orange Crush defenses, uh, <laughs> you yeah. know, coming out of Denver years back. But um, I think, you know, there's the there's a couple of kids in this year's draft that I think would pair well with him. You look at um, the Florida State kid, uh, you know, Naz, Naz, Nazir Deer, I think his name is. Uh, you know, he's 6'3", 213, 34-inch arms, 10-hand. He would pair really well. Sean Davis is another player that I, I like a lot out of Florida. Um, he, he, you know, the other one, it's interesting. You'd probably get him later in the draft, but he's a bigger kid that might be fun to, to see in a paired system. I think because he is a paired system, it would be good for him. Virginia Tech's Dayball uh, Day would be good because in a paired – a paired system where he can drop into the box and not be a single high safety or st- sitting in a two. He's so long and he's, he's rangy um, enough to play in the, in the paired system. He would be interesting too. And that would give you two very long safeties in the back end, which yeah. will help cover up any mistakes that your defensive backs make, you know? You're talking about the, 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 the big kid was like not as athletic Diablo or something like that. Devin. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know about him. I'm interested by him too. I'm intrigued with him. Yeah, he could be a third or fourth round pick, right? That he's six three, two twenty six. You can drop him into the box, let him play the run, outside linebacker, rover position. Or right. if you're going to play over the top, like on a third down, and you know play a cover two, you're not asking him to play single high safety, and he's only covering half the field. He can totally do that, and at that size and length, coupled with uh, Walker, who is again six one and a half and has the same kind of similar kind of length. 
that really helps uh, that back end a lot. So going out to the Senior Bowl and no combine this year, and there were limited bowl games this year, no East Shrine Bowl game. You know, how much more difficult as a scout is that affecting the process of the draft this year with, with obviously, you know, only one senior bowl game, which is significant, but no combine and, you know, a lot less all-star games this year. So how much harder would it be this year for a scouting department? This year is going to be difficult for so many reasons. One of them not having a combine, obviously, you don't get the medicals, the confirmed medicals that you would get normally on these kids. So you don't know what kind of, I don't want to call them damaged goods, but what kind of injuries you're, you're inheriting, you know, right. from these, from these programs. I mean, you just don't know what the kids got going on. Now I know they put in place, a, you know, a way for the kids to go to um, get physicals and put parameters in the place to have them send all the images and stuff in so that people can look at it. I'm just not in the building, so I don't know how detailed that's going to be. Years past, I wouldn't have, I would not have depended on that. That would be something that would really scare me. So these players that went to the Senior Bowl and, you know, basically walked in the door and got measurables, and you know exactly kind of what you're getting from them a little bit now, I think they have a huge advantage. Those players that went to Senior Bowl have a huge advantage over everybody else. There are a lot of schools that are not doing pro days for their kids. So now you're going to have opportunities where kids are like not getting verified measurables. You're going to have not, you know, we don't know who timed the 40. We're not sure if we can trust the 40 time. You know, there's a lot of question marks. So the kids that went to the senior bowl to me really, or the uh, college gridiron showcase where they measured and weighed they, and they had chances to interview with the, uh, with the pro teams. I think they are in an advantage over the kids that didn't get those opportunities. So, I mean, this guy's a lock for Sean Pick, Heisman winner, but he actually was a guy, Devontae Smith, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, refused to be measured at the Senior Bowl. Obviously didn't uh, participate in the Senior Bowl either besides team meetings. Is there any disadvantage to that? Because like we mentioned, or like you mentioned, that there are not going to be as many pro days and it's going to be harder to take advice or, you know, take those numbers as seriously. So where do you think that like kind of factors into guys that, you know, refuse to, I guess, you know, participate in the measurables or participate in the week in general, like a guy like Devontae Smith? Well, for Smith, an in, the injury really dictated what he could do with that hand. You know, the hand injury dictated he couldn't do much. And the reason he didn't weigh in is because he's only like 165 pounds. So, you know, for him, it, it, he just didn't want his weight to be, to be so low um, that everybody killed him. And that's all that you're going to hear about is how low his, his – uh, his measurables or his weight was, I mean, coming out of senior bowl, it would have been a situation where all, all of the news cycle was is how, how, how he only weighed 165, you know, he'd rather spend some time and go to the Alabama pro day. Cause they're definitely going to have a pro day and, you know, build some weight up to get to the 172 mark or 175 mark and at least have that be his weight versus a 165 mark. So from a, from a scouting perspective, um, what would you prefer, though? Would you prefer a guy to be measured at the Senior Bowl or a guy to be measured at his pro day? Well, as a scout, I like them getting measured all, all over the place, you know, several times before the draft, being honest with you. I used to love when they'd go to a bowl game, get measured, when they'd go to a Senior Bowl or go to the Combine, get measured, and then re-measure at the pro day so I can say consistently – 
this kid is weighing right around 180. This kid's weighing right around 225. He's consistently doing this, you know what I mean? And his weight, he's consistently keeping his weight up. So that's what I would prefer because that gives me a comfort level to go on the table for him and say, you know, I can trust this kid and this is what his weight is. And, you know, we have three measurements of it. And he's all right around this area. So for me, that's what I would prefer as a scout. This year's climate and last year's climate, you don't get that. You know, you, you really don't have that opportunity to have that environment. So, therefore, you know, you get what you get and you don't, you don't throw a fit. That's what I tell my kids, right? Right. <laughs> Everybody's in the same boat. You're going to get what you get and you just don't throw a fit and you have to go with what you got. And if that means the kid's weighing in one time, he's weighing in and getting measured one time. And that's why I'm saying without, with, without knowing who's going to be at the pro days, so if you have a college that, like, say, uh, Wisconsin Whitewater, if they don't send an NFL scout up there to do Wisconsin Whitewater, you know, to do the pro day and know who that – and get that, that lineman's measurables, all you're going to have is what he did at the senior bowl. If he didn't weigh and measure at the senior bowl, they're not likely to trust, you know, a non-NFL scout numbers when it comes draft time. Does that make sense, guys? Yep. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think someone's definitely going to be in Wisconsin Whitewater now after we saw what we saw at the Senior Bowl with uh, Quinn Myers. So <laughs> <laughs> I think they're for well, sure yeah. good after that. We just interviewed We just interviewed him last night on my podcast, and I, I love the kid. The kid's a great kid. Oh. Uh, and that's it just came to mind that uh, <laughs> Quinn just came to mind when, uh, when I was talking about it because it was such a small school. Yeah, you just don't three. know who's going to go. Oh, it's, it's, he's one of my favorite prospects now. One of my favorite prospects ever scouted ever. I just love his, his mentality. I was watching on NFL Network during the game itself, and it was, uh, you know, it's a good thing when Daniel Jeremiah is wearing the school shirt of the, of the kid. And, that, I mean, the kid was just so inspirational the whole week. He had his tummy out the whole week during the practices. Like, how could he not love a guy like that? So um, there are definitely scouts. I, I mean, I'm not, I've never been a scout, but, David, I think you confirmed. There will be scouts in Wisconsin Whitewater this time around. Well, and that's just it. When you, when you, here's why you might not get scouts at Wisconsin Whitewater, is because he did go to the combine. There's only one kid that's doing the pro day, so it's like you kind of already have them covered. Yeah. You know. Now they might send they might send a, a O line coach up there to do the pro day versus a scout. Okay. Right. Um, to do the pro day, but again, I think the kids in a normal situation, yeah, you would have. You'd have three or four probably the line coaches up there, in addition to, in addition to a bunch of scouts. Because again, he's a great player, great mentality. He reminds me of Richie Schubert, who used to play for the Lions or for the Giants for so many years. Um, I mean, and Richie came out of Western Illinois, so to me, they're very similar. Richie was undrafted. This kid definitely getting drafted. You know, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I think he made himself a lot of money from that Senior Bowl week. Probably made himself a top 100 player, potentially. All right, question, David. So the Lions have an interesting decision to make on Galladay. What should they do? Extend, let him walk, tag and trade? What do you think is the best uh, option to do with Galladay? I would have to see the numbers, guys, and I'm not trying to cop out on a decision. I'm just uh, being honest with you. You know, the market this year, I think, is going to be lower for players than they anticipate because – People just don't know if the next year, if 2022 is going to bounce back. Um, all indicators is it, it's going to bounce back. So, therefore, you know, it's not a – player contracts will probably be front-loaded – I'm sorry, back-loaded more than usual. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the front side is going to be kind of cheaper, in my opinion. So, or you might see overall salaries be more guaranteed money, but lower in dollar value. So I would have to really digest the market to know if his value is going to, what he's looking for and what the value is going to be uh, for him out on the street. You know, for me, I, I know I was in a building where the, um, we had Teddy, Ted Ginn walk into the GM and say, Hey, you know, the, I want to stay, I like it here, but the saints are offering me, you know, $2 million more than what you guys are offering. And the GM just said, kids, you got to go, you got to go do that for your family and make the money. And, you know, we love you here, but we just can't afford it. And, And then that all comes into strategy. Again, if you're doing a youth movement and, you, you, you have the draft capital and you can build around the team and that money's going to be better applied somewhere else. I mean, that, that all goes into your strategy. So uh, we don't really see a lot of tagging trades, but do you think a tagging trade could be in play with Galladay? Because I know your former boss was interested in him during this season, Dave Gettleman. So what are your thoughts on maybe like Galladay to the Giants? Like would Dave trade for him? Dave is kind of like bold sometimes. I don't know if Dave would do a tagging trade. Um that's a bold move. Like you said, that is a bold move. I don't know if Dave would do a tag and trade. I think Dave would be more comfortable with if they tagged them, see if they can work out a deal. You know, if they can work out a long, if, they, if there's a way to work out a deal and trade, like sign and trade, that's one thing, but a tag and trade, I, I don't know. I don't know if he's that bold. So Dave, this is a more personal question for yourself. Obviously, you know, we mentioned you were a former scout. Have you ever considered maybe coming back into scouting if the if the opportunity was right? Oh, absolutely. I love scouting. It's my heart and soul. You know, I was with the Edmonton Eskimos as a personnel director. I was actually second command up there. And I, I was loving building the teams and doing all that. And, you know, if an opportunity comes or rises, I would definitely get back in the game. The, the whole COVID thing through, derailed my plans. So... Um, but I still scout it each and every day. I have clients right now through Maverick Sports Consulting, agents and players alike that uh, hit me up and have me scout them and scout their, their rosters. And I'm working with the Hub Football um, Camp down in San Diego to help pack that roster full of players for them. There's always uh, there's always work to be done if you're a scout. There's plenty 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 of people that need opinions on uh, on players. But I would love to get back in. I, I have good friends. I landed in general manager positions this year. I'm hoping that I can actually get in with one of them and, and move forward, um, helping build the organizations up. Is, uh, is one of your buddies like Brad Holmes, maybe (laughs) just a little, like, I got, I got friends that got GM jobs in, uh, in a lot of cities. So, okay. (laughs) And I'll I'll say, and I'll say this. I love to, I think the Detroit lions would be a destination for me as a, as a football traditionalist and a historian, to be able to work for the Detroit Lions and be able to help them build a championship team and bring a championship to Detroit, that would be a feather in my cap. I would have so much pride in, and and and, and so it would mean a lot to me uh, as a football historian and traditionalist that I am to work for that organization. I would love to be there. Dave, they would they would build a statue for every single one, a scout, every general manager, every coach, if you ever brought her a Lombardi trophy to Detroit. <laughs> so <laughs> that would be uh, amazing. But you already mentioned it. You know, you have some companies going forward. You have a podcast as well. So where could they find you at on Twitter? You know, what do you – I mean, you do a lot of stuff. <laughs> Thank you. I try to stay busy. I'm not one of those people that knows how to sit still. So um, 
You can find me on all social media at, at Mav, M-A-V-E, underscore sports, at Mav underscore sports, um, Twitter, Instagram, uh, just everywhere. We have a podcast. It's downloadable anywhere. It's called Mav, it's called Mav Sports Take, and it's the business of football. We really try to focus on um, not only the players on the field, but what they're doing off the field. Like last night, we interviewed Eric Legrand, former Rutgers football player who got paralyzed in the game. And he's taking his you know, his opportunity now off the field into charitable work and into a new coffee adventure and different things. That it's just great to sit and talk to the players what they do away from the field. Um, we've had great guests all about you know talking about that, talking about recruiting. Um, so I really like to bring that to the marketplace. It's a unique advantage that I think I can bring is talking about the decision makers and how they make decisions and what players are doing off and around away from the field, which is always something that I like to promote. So that's what we're doing. And, um, you know, I'm coming on podcasts like your guys's and giving some background on some, some stuff. So I, I really hope yeah, I can come back and talk some more Detroit football, maybe after free agency starts and before the draft. 100%. Thank you again, Dave, so much. And with that being said, guys, I hope you guys all enjoyed this episode of the Pride Podcast. And we're out, guys. Peace. Peace. Peace.